All right. Well, thank you, Dan and choir. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Put a mark there. When you get to 2 Timothy chapter 2, just put a mark there and then go to Mark chapter 1 because we're going to jump around. Last week I was dogging on t-shirts and I talked about how, you know, you, you know, tennis is life and all this stuff. And so I got a text. Can we put that up? I got a text with this Sunday afternoon. I don't know if they can get that slide up here. And then this morning they just brought this shirt for me. And it said, want to know if it's all right. It says Sunday I need coffee, I need church, and I need cowboys. Now, that may not have been what I had in mind, but that'll work. Well, I'll take that one. So, so anyway, uh, just I was so encouraged somebody was listening to the sermon. So that's always, uh, man, that's always good news, isn't it? So, uh, so that's good. But we're going to look at First uh, Timothy, or excuse me, Second Timothy in just a moment. But, but have you ever wondered what Jesus... Um, Wants us, let me just, I'm going to save this to the next service, but I'll mess it up. Let me just uh, put it there. You ever wonder what, what is it that Jesus wants us to do uh, for him? Or maybe not so much what he, he wants us to do, but, but what does he want us to become for him? What does Jesus really want out of his followers? Uh, if we're engaged in church life, if we give some time and give some money, if we go to Bible study, treat people well, and, and be a good example, do you think Jesus would be satisfied with that from you and me? Uh, I mean, think about this. We're engaged in church life. We, give, we invest some of our time, some of our money and our talents. Um, we go to Bible study. We treat people well and, and be a good disciple or, or be, a good, uh, be a good example. Do you think Jesus wants more than that? See, a lot of us, I think, believe that what Jesus wants out of us is if I'll be a good boy and a good girl and if I'll be a church guy and if I kind of invest a little bit, then, then God's okay with that. And that's what God wants from me. But when you open the scriptures, what you find is that Jesus is looking for more. Could it be that he wants from you and me a little bit more than that? Could it be that he expects a little more? Than that, and my answer is is you betcha, he does. In fact, uh, I didn't ask you to turn there, but in John fifteen eight, Jesus said this: "By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." Now, isn't it interesting that the proof? That we are his disciples is in the fruit or in fruitfulness. Now this is, some of you are not going to agree with this, but, but it's true. It's not our faithfulness that proves we're disciples. It's our fruitfulness. Now I'm not saying you shouldn't be faithful, but you can be faithful your whole life to the wrong thing and never have a piece of fruit to sit at the feet of Jesus. And so it's not our faithfulness, not simply our faithfulness, but it is our fruitfulness that, uh, that really proves that we're his disciples. Listen, we can come every week and we can bring our Bible, study our lesson, bring our offering, uh, attend Sunday school, attend Bible study. We can check all that off on the, you, know, you remember that, the little envelope. You can check all that off on the envelope, but if, but if there's no fruit in our, in our life, God's really not glorified. 
And so interestingly enough, I ask you to turn to Mark chapter 1. At the beginning, at the beginning of his ministry, at the very, on the front side, Mark chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 16, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus said, he didn't say, follow me and I'll make you faithful to go to church. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be. We ought to be faithful to go to church. But he says, if you follow me, I'm going to do something in you. I'm going to make you into something. And that something is a fisher of men. I will make you. Now, he, wasn't, he didn't say, listen, when you follow me, when you start following me, you're going to be a fisherman. But what he says is, I'm, I'm going to do something in your life. I'm going to work in your life if you follow me. And you're going to become a fisher of men. And so if we're following Jesus, then we are to be fishing. And we heard somebody say, uh, Monday, wasn't it, Why The guy said, hey, if we're not... If we're not fishing, we're not following. In fact, uh, Dawson Trotman, founder of the Navigators, I I read that this way. He said that years ago. And so Jesus began declaring that, hey, you're going to be a fisher of men. And then, now if you're in Mark chapter 1, just turn back. For me, it's one page in my Bible. I want to look at what Jesus said at the end. Now, that was at the beginning. At the beginning, he said, if you follow me, here's what's going to happen. Look back here at the end, chapter 28, Matthew, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, I got the power. I got the authority. And then here's what he says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything or or to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so, so think about this. Jesus began his ministry declaring that his guys would be fishers of men, and he closed out his earthly ministry demanding that his guys go and fish for men and teach them to obey everything that he commanded. I, I, I think if he started with it and if he finished with it, He was probably serious about it. So he mandated it on the front side. He he mandated it on the back side. And if you study the Gospels, he modeled it from the beginning to the end. And so what Jesus is interested in you and me is not that we're... Listen, he's looking for us to be fruit bearers. He's looking for us to be uh, disciple makers. Remember in John, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves, proving yourselves to be disciples. So Jesus, now now why, why, why was Jesus so passionate about discipleship? Why do you think he was so committed to discipleship? Well, for any number of reasons, but let me just give you one that I think is, uh, and I read about this this week and it's pretty interesting. Someone astutely observed that that discipleship is kind of the powertrain 
of the vehicle we call church. Um, there are a lot of things in our car. There are a lot of nice things in our cars today that make them fun to drive and attract. I mean, you can have leather seats that are that are heated. They even got some now, I think, that are cooled. Uh, you can have a leather-wrapped steering wheel. You got the AM, FM, CD changer, all this stuff. So you, you got air conditioning, you got a great radio. You know, you got, you got all the, I mean, you got, you got the backup camera. I mean, you got all this stuff that makes a Cadillac a Cadillac. But if you don't have a motor and a transmission and a differential and a drive shaft, if you don't have a powertrain, none of the fancy stuff is going to help you. You can have all that, and that's good, but to have all that and it be good, you got to have a powertrain. When it comes to the church, we've got a lot of good stuff. I mean, we've got singing, and we've got worship, and we've got this ministry, and we've got that ministry, and we take care of the kids, and we get together in groups, and we have fellowships, and we do all this thing. But listen, the powertrain of the church is disciple-making. If we're not making disciples... We're not being the church. Uh, someone said this. I certainly won't take credit for it. But he said, he said, you can plant a church. And he says, you can lead a church. And he says, you can grow a church. And there's no guarantee that you'll get one disciple. But he says, if you make disciples, you will always get the church. And so Jesus was passionate about disciple-making because he knew that when you make disciples, you make the church. When you grow disciples, you grow the church. So, so how, how, how do we do that? Well, we're in the middle of this series called We Are, and we've been talking about the church, and we found out that we are a gospel-centered people on week one. And then uh, two weeks ago, we discovered that we are a gospel-centered people who live in community. We're a gospel-centered community last week that we need to be living on mission. Today, we're a gospel-centered people that are making disciples. If Listen, God's called us. He's called you and me. He's called us as a church to be disciple makers. Now, it's not enough. Listen, it's not enough to be a disciple. Because if you're a disciple, and if I'm a disciple, then we need to make disciples. That's what, what a disciple does, is a disciple produces other disciples. And so, what does it take in order for us to do that? That brings us to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul's writing this letter to the young preacher, his young protege, Timothy. And he's, he shares with him some great insight that I think will be helpful for us as we think about this idea of disciple making. Look with me there, 2 Timothy 2. Uh, we're going to begin in verse 1 and go down all the way through verse 7. Uh, Paul writes, he says, You then, my child, in other words, you then, my young believer, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. For no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Would you pray with me? Father, in these next few minutes, as we uh, unpack this text, at least part of this text, uh, 
and, and look at what it takes for us to make disciples or to be a disciple maker. Uh, Lord, I pray that you give us wisdom and, and, and insight. Lord, I, this, this morning we're, we're speaking very specifically to followers of Christ. And I know, Father, there we have friends with us that have yet to decide to follow Jesus. And, man, my hope is that they'll realize in our conversation, that they'll realize that Jesus is worth following, uh, that his kingdom is worth it because it's an eternal, everlasting kingdom. And there's life in his name and there's peace in his name. And so I, I hope they would discover that. But, Father, for those of us who follow Jesus, who name the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd stir our heart today. That, that we're called not just to be faithful, but we're called to be fruitful. That we need to be producing something that will have an impact for eternity. So God, would you speak into our hearts this morning? Would you speak into our lives this morning? Father, I would pray and ask that you bring to mind every word that, that, that I need to say, uh, that I would forget those things that, that don't matter, that you'd, Lord, really, literally, that you'd hide me behind the cross and so that, that you'd speak through me. Uh, not according to my wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit's power. And we'll trust you for that, and we'll give you the honor for it all. And God, we pray in the strong name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, well, what do you have to do? What do I have? What do we need to do in order to be a disciple maker? In our text, Paul gives Timothy at least four imperatives. Now, we'll see if we get to all of those. Uh, that, that need to be woven into the fabric of our life. If, if, if my life and your life, if it's going to be a reproducing life, if we're going to make some disciples that follow Jesus, these things really have to be woven into our life. But before we look at that, we need to come to grips with this question, what is a disciple? Now, there's, a, there's any number of definitions. We could spend our whole time this morning talking about uh, a disciple, um, what it is and, and different things. But let me just say it this way. Um, it's not a special class of believer, uh, you know, kind of like we think of a missionary. You know, we kind of think sometimes missionaries, missionaries reserved for that, that, that really spiritual guy or that really spiritual gal or that really spiritual couple that are willing to go invest their life somewhere uh, for the kingdom of God. The reality is that God's called every one of us to invest our life where we are for the kingdom of God. And a disciple is not a special class. In fact, I got a little definition. I think this is from Ron Bennett's, not sure, but this might be from Ron Bennett's book, uh, Intentional Discipleship. But, it, but here it is. It, a disciple is a maturing uh, Christian. There it is. It's a maturing Christian who practices his faith, who shares his or her faith, and reproduces his or her faith. And others. And so think about this. A, a disciple's just an ordinary guy that knows and serves Jesus and is willing to talk about Jesus and willing to produce Jesus in the life of somebody else. I mean, that's, that's, it's just an ordinary guy, not, uh, not, nothing special. You know, and I don't know if I had this in my notes last week or the week before. I don't know if I shared it. But, uh, you know, God loves common people. God loves ordinary people. In fact, Abraham Lincoln said God must love common people because he made so many of them, right? There's a lot of us that are just ordinary folk. And God's called ordinary folk like you and me. You, you, we don't have to be spiritual giants. We don't have to be spiritual geniuses. But we just got to, we, we got to be growing. We got to be maturing in our faith. You, you don't need to be mature to be a disciple maker. 
But you got to be maturing. You got to be. Uh, you've got to be growing. You got to be becoming a little bit more like uh, Jesus. And so it's one who practices faith, or, or one who kind of shows his faith. Um, do you live it out? Man, if, if we're going to make disciples, we we got to we got to pretty much be living out what we say we believe. You know, we got to be willing to do that. So so are you living out? Uh, are you sharing? Are you sharing uh, your faith? You know, a, a disciple is somebody that, that, that's willing to have a conversation about Jesus. And so, so who, are, who are you? Who are you talking to about Jesus? Who's in your life that may not yet be a follower? In fact, you're probably pretty sure they're not a follower. Who is it in your life, in your circle, in your, in your uh, wheelhouse, if you will, that you are talking to about Jesus. Because we're talking about football, and we're talking about, you know, elections, and we're talking about issues going on in our world. But, but who's in our life that we're talking with about Jesus? Because the disciple, they're growing. You know, they're growing in their faith. They're, you know, they're sharing their faith. And then, and then we got to be reproducing that faith. And what that means is who's in our life that, that we're pouring, uh, pouring into them what God's been pouring into us. That's what discipleship's all about. And so a disciple is, is a maturing believer. A maturing believer that practices his faith, shares his faith, and reproduces that faith in others. And ordinary people can do that. Ordinary people, just like you and me, can help others become a follower of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. How many years, how many years have you got left? Anybody got an, anybody know how many you got left? Not many doesn't count, okay? So don't, don't say it, not many. Hey, I, I don't know how many I've got left. You don't know how many you have left. But, but what I know is the best way to spend what we've got left is to produce fruit. In, in fact, if we produce reproducing fruit, if we produce reproducing fruit, then it'll live on after we're gone. So we need to be fruitful, not just faithful. So how do we do that? What, what would that look like? Uh, well, here's what it would look like. It, it would look like you and me deciding... In fact, you know, if I didn't know how many years I had left, and I think that's all of us, but if I didn't know how many years I had left, what I would want to do is I'd want to find me a couple guys or I'd want to find me a couple gals, and I would want to get them around a cup of coffee and or maybe a bowl of ice cream and the Word of God, whatever it takes to get them there, but I'd get them around a cup of coffee and I'd get them around a bowl of ice cream or I'd get them around a, a, a taco and I'd get the Bible out and I'd begin to pour my life into them and say, okay, see, I want to help you follow Jesus. And then I want to help you help somebody else follow Jesus. And, and that's what we're talking about here. That's, that's what Paul is talking to Timothy about. That's what Jesus was talking to Sam and, I, and Andrew about it, Simon and Andrew about it on the beginning, in the beginning. That's what he was talking to, to the 12, actually the 120 there at the end. Get together with somebody around, you know, around, a, around something 
and spend some time together with the Word of God and pour out the gospel that you have in your heart and pour it into their heart. And that's what this idea of disciple making is. Now, how do we do that? Let me give you three or four words uh, that'll help us. First of all, if that's going to happen, you got to have power. Look in 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. The author says there, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Listen, it's going to take some power and some strength and some enablement for you and me to make a disciple. And we, you ain't got it, and I ain't got it, but God has it. He wants to give it to us. It's there for the taking. It's there for the asking. But you got to have it. Listen, we got to have power. God's made it available to us, but we got we got to use it. We got to utilize it. In fact, look up in chapter one. I think it's probably verse six or um, verse seven. Uh, for Paul writing to Timothy, chapter one, verse seven. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of what? But of power. But of power and love and self. Control And so the power is available to us. In fact, if you look down at verse 14 of chapter 1, notice notice what it says there. It says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Okay, that's the source of power. By the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Now, God's called you. Listen, we may not like this, but we cannot deny this. God has called believers to make disciples. He has called followers to make followers. That's why Jesus, at the end of Matthew, said, go make disciples. At the end of Mark, he said, go. At the end of Luke, he said, go. At the end of John, he said, go. At the beginning of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, what did he say? He said, go. Do you think he meant business? Do you think he was serious? So we need to go. Now, if we're going to go, we got to wait. Remember in Acts 1, he says, but wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will have power. And so the power, now they had to wait. Guess what? We don't have to wait. Because when you get saved, you know what you get? You get the Holy Spirit, right? He who has the Spirit has the life. He who does not have the Spirit doesn't have the life. That's in Romans 8. And, and so, we, listen, we've got the power available to us, but, but we've got to be strengthened by it. The, the terminology there in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 2 is, that is, a, I think some scholars would call it a divine passive verb. But, but the idea there is it's in the passive voice and that you can't strengthen yourself you got to be acted on by something else. In this case, a someone else. And that someone is the Spirit of the living God. You know, we I don't, I don't think we've sung it here in this service, Dan. But there's a song out now. It's popular on the Christian uh, radio. The, 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 the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. You can read about that in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. That power. And so we got to, listen, if, if we would make disciples, we got to have, first word is power. The second word, uh, this is where we want to spend our time, is the word, look there in verse 2, the word, we'll call it process. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men 
who will also be able to teach others or who will be able to teach others also. And so, so Paul challenged Timothy to, to make disciples that will in turn make disciples. And so we gotta, we've got to be disciple makers. And in order to do that, there's got to be kind of a process. And he kind of lays out the process here. He, he, there's, there's literally four generations. Paul, Paul says, Timothy, take, take what I've poured into you, Timothy, and you pour that into faithful men who will in turn pour that into somebody else. And, and so in, the, in that particular verse, in verse 2, what we see there is, is spiritual great-grandchildren. You got Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and then you got others. And so there's this process of disciple making is, is one pouring into one or just a couple, pouring into just a couple, pouring into just a couple. And so there's this kind of this process. And so let's just kind of think about that for a second. He says, he says, take what you have heard from me. Now, so, so, so what is that? What, what does that look like? Where, how does this process start? Well, it, first of all, you got to be a disciple. If you, if you and I, if we're going to make a disciple, we, we've got to be one. Uh, Paul said about Timothy up in chapter 1, verse 5, uh, and we won't look at it, but he says, you know, I, I saw your sincere faith. Now, what's sincere faith? It's, it's genuine, right? It's kind of the real deal. And so what Paul's saying is, Tim, I looked at your life, and you're the real deal. And so, if, listen, if we're going to make disciples... We need to look and go, okay, am I the real deal? Is my faith genuine and sincere? And so am I the real deal? And, and so, and then if you notice, and we look back at verse 14 of chapter 1, he says, guard the good deposit, which is the word of God. Verse 13 says, follow the pattern of, of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith. And so we've got to, we've got to be, our faith's got to be sincere, but we've got to have something in us. If, if you and I, if, if we're going to give out the gospel, guess what? We got to have in the gospel. You can't pour out something that you don't have in the cup. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? So we, we got to have it in the cup. So, so, so we got to be getting it from somewhere. And so if you're a believer, you've been getting it. We give it out every Sunday morning. We give it out here on the platform. We give it out in, in Bible study. But you gotta, it's, you gotta take it in and embrace it. And you gotta, you gotta let it ruminate and you gotta digest it and you gotta apply it. And then you gotta be willing to give it out. And so, so he says, what you've heard from me. And then he says this. He says, entrust to faithful men. In trust to faithful men. Now, that word in trust means, uh, it has the idea of de depositing something valuable for safekeeping. So what do we have that's valuable? What is the greatest message in the world today? It's that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised again. Uh, the third day, according to the scriptures, and they appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, and then to the five hundred. And then Paul said, later on, he appeared to me as one abnormally born. Listen, we've got the gospel that's been entrusted to us. 
our dearest friends, our, our best buddies, our, our near and dear family need the gospel. It's been entrusted to us. And Paul says to Tim, you've got to guard that. You've got to entrust that. You've got to give it to, to faithful men who will in turn teach others. And so if you're going to pick two or three girls or if you're going to pick two or three guys and you're going to get around that cup of coffee or bowl of ice cream and with the Word of God and you're going to pour into, the li- into their life, you better make sure you pick the right two or three people. And, and so Paul said, Timothy, you need to pick the right people. They, they need to be faithful. Now, now, now how, what would that look like? Well, Tom Nelson up at Denton Bible says this. He says, we've got to think about what we're trying to produce. Well, what we're trying to produce is somebody that's been converted. We want, people, we want to produce people that are converted. We want people that are committed to God. What, what we mean by that, they, they need to be committed to God's word. They need to be committed to God's people. And they need to be committed to God's cause, which is which is the kingdom, so they need to be converted, uh, they need to be com- committed, and then they need to be competent. We, we want to we, we produce people uh, that know something, we want to produce people that feel something for the gospel, but we want to produce people that are willing to do something. And so if you're going to invest your life in somebody, if you're going to take a year of your life and, and you're going to meet once a week or maybe a little more often or a little less often, but you're going to pour your life into somebody, you better pick somebody that's got the possibility uh, to reproduce. You, you don't want to spend a year pouring into somebody and they just let it run out on the ground, right? Why would we want to do that? And so there's an old acronym in... Uh, in, in discipleship that says we need to pick fat people, okay, fat people. That's what you're looking for. They need to be faithful. They need to be available. And they have to be teachable, okay. That's what you're looking for. And when you look for those two or three people that you're going to pour into, you want to be faithful, you want to be available, and you want to be teachable because, listen, you, you don't want the gospel to stop with them, now, an interesting thing, uh, how many of you, anybody watch the track and field at the Olympics? Anybody? Okay. Well, a couple of us. Uh, you know, I, I, Olympics are good every four years. I, I, I like track and field. But the interesting thing is, is the, uh, one of the things that I enjoy watching is the, is the four by 100. Because those guys are running, or gals, they're running faster than lightning. And, and, but they have to pass off the baton. And it, you know, but the deal, it doesn't matter how good the first pass off is. And it doesn't matter how good the second passing of the baton is. If they don't pass the baton from three to four, they're not going to win. And so when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to entrusting uh, this good news to faithful men, we need to pass it off to this guy. But this, guy's, we, this guy has to be, or this guy has to be somebody that's willing to pass it off to this guy that's going to pass it off to somebody else. And so when you pick who you're going to pour your life into, don't just say, ah, oh, here's my buddy. Let's go have a cup of coffee and we'll study the Word. You need to pick somebody that's faithful, that's available, that's teachable. You might want to throw in this word, reliable. There's no guarantees, but you ought to talk to them up front pretty soon that, hey, the expectation is 
you're going to reproduce. I was in a group with a couple of guys. At least two of them are here today. Uh, we spent a year together, and I kind of up on the, uh, Chris is over here, and Jim's here. And on the front end, I talked about how guys, the expectation is when we're done here, you're, you go get your guys, and you start you a group, and you start pouring into your guys. And so we got to the end of the year, and and, and we you know we got to the end of our study, and they picked out their guys, and both of them have the, their guys, and and, uh, and 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 I don't. Chris, I don't know if you know this, but I, Tuesday I was going to a tennis match to watch my daughter play tennis. I got the phone call. I didn't recognize the number. I thought, well, I'll pick it up. So I pick up the phone, and there's this guy on the other end says, hey, hey, Mike, I, uh, you know, I need, I need some of them seven steps. And I, 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 and I didn't know what he was talking about. He says, I, 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 need, he says, I got a couple guys. I need some seven steps. And, and he's talk, I, I wrote this book a couple years ago called Starting Fresh, and it takes about seven steps to get through the book. And, and this guy is being discipled by a guy that was in my discipling group. So he's third generation. And he says, hey, I got, I, I got some guys, about three or four guys. In fact, one of them's probably not a believer yet, but I want to pour into them. And I don't know if I need to tell you, but I was pretty fired up. Because that's what this is talking about. You need to get you some guys, you need to get you some girls, and you need to pour into them, and then they're going to go pour into somebody, and then they're going to go pour into somebody. And before long, listen, what we do for Jesus is going to matter. See, you got to have the power, but you got to have the process. And so that's kind of the deal uh, with the process. Then number, let me give you another word. Let me give you another word. That is perseverance. Uh, look at verse 3. Now, this is the, that, it's been good news up to this point. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Man, it's not all going to be gravy, is it? It's not all going to be easy. You know, uh, I, I, anybody remember last week I talked about the soccer player Ronaldo. Anybody remember the guy's making $88 million this year? Uh if y'all were watching, I was watching the football game last night. You know, on ESPN, they got this little, this little scroll thing under there. And it says that Ronaldo was skipping the soccer match yesterday because he had a sore throat. And I'm thinking, you're the greatest player in the world, and you're not going to play in a match because you got a sore throat? Anybody remember Emmett Smith? New York Giants, 1994, dislocated his shoulder. And they'd give him the ball, and he'd run as hard as he could run. And he'd get up, and he'd either hold his shoulder or just dangle. And he'd go back to the huddle. And he played the last drive, and, and, and you know the story. Listen, we, we want some Emmett Smiths. We want some people that'll persevere when it gets hard. We're, listen, God's not looking for people that when you got a sore throat, you're going to take the day off. He's looking. Why? Because, listen, it's, it's tough. When you start investing in people, man, this, thing, this stuff gets, it, it's, not, it's messy. If, you, if any of you have disciples, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, humans, we're, we're messed up. And I, I'm not saying they, I'm saying we. We've all got stuff, and when you start pouring into somebody, when you start getting into their life, 
and you let them get into your life, man, you're going you're gonna to get your heart broke. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get let down. You, you're going to have people that they don't show up. You're going to have people they don't do what they're supposed to do. And so what Paul's saying to Timothy, man, is you, you're going to have to suffer a little bit. You've got to persevere. You've got to endure. Because, listen, we we got to hang in there if we're going to have an influence for the gospel. And so, so you got to persevere. And then one last word, real quickly. Look down in verse 7. We won't talk about the soldiers. But just think about the soldiers, the athletes, uh, the farmers. Listen, for none of those guys, listen, soldiering's not easy. Can I get a witness? Okay? Uh, athletics, listen, you got to pay the price. Uh, if you farmed... I grew up farming. Man, you just, it's, it's two steps forward and three steps back most of the time. You, you gotta have perseverance. You gotta hang in there. And that's what we've gotta do. And then the last word, look down at verse seven. And this is, by the way, this is another imperative. He says, think over what I say. Timothy, think about what I'm saying. My word is ponder. We need to ponder for just a moment. We need to think about for a moment. You need, to, you need to start figuring out, okay, how much time have I got left? And you need to think about, okay, am I going to spend that time going to Bible study, coming to church, giving an offering, being a good boy or being a good girl? Or are we going to spend what time we have left investing in some fat people that will reproduce? What do you, because here's the thing, what do you want your life, I mean, at the end of your life, do you want some fruit? Do I want some fruit? Or are we content to just say, well, you know, I was a good boy and I was a good girl and I gave my offering and I went to church? I, I, when I stand before Jesus, I don't want to be empty handed. I want to be able to point at some people and go, okay, he's with me. She, she, I, I remember her. And, and what you really want is when you stand before Jesus, you want some people pointing at you going, he's why I'm here. She's why I'm here. So, so we need to ponder. We need to think about this thing. Are you willing? Or, or, or you got to decide, am I willing to invest my life in something that's going to bear fruit forever? And so we got to think about it. we got to ponder it. Uh, Tom Nelson uh, identified, he, 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 uh, he, he asked the question, will you become a uh, disciple maker? And then he gave some of the reasons why people aren't willing to be a disciple maker. And let me just give you a couple of them. Uh, some people are too busy. You're just too busy. Uh, you're, you, you got, uh, and, and hey, I'm busy, you're busy, we're all busy, uh, but we have enough time to do what's most important. And so, but some people are too busy. Uh, some people are, are, are focused on accumulating a bunch of stuff. And, uh, and when you die, they're going to have a big garage sale. And they're going to give a lot of your stuff away. You know, and some, I, I promise, there's not, a, there's not a one of us in here that in a hundred years, somebody else will be spending our money, living in our house, driving our car, if it's still around or whatever. For some of us, it'll be less than 10 years. So... Uh, some people uh, are distracted thinking life's about retirement, travel, dominoes, playing games, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, some are disqualified by sin uh, in their life. I mean, some people can't be a disciple maker because you can't let anybody get close to you. And the reason you can't let anybody get close to you is they might find out who you are. And they might find out 
that you got some warts. And some of them are, are big enough they will disqualify you. And so if that's you, you listen, I don't know how many years you got left, but you should deal with that. Some of them, some, some people won't be a disciple maker because you're afraid. You're just afraid. I, I, I had an interesting experience this week. Uh, my, my, my nine-year-old got a kitten in uh, July. I, I may have told you all that. She's been wanting her kitten to be in the sermon. Every Sunday morning she comes and says, Dad, can you talk about peaches today? And I, so I'm going to talk about peaches. So uh, I went home for lunch the other day. Can we get that slide up here, the first one? I don't have my pointer. Uh, but but you, about, about dead centered, one-third of the way down is peaches. And uh, can we, let's go to the next one. You, you can't really see, there's a little orange furball right there. And again, let's go to the next slide. Here, there's P, you can kind of see her. She's coming down the tree. Here's what happened. I'm sitting home for lunch uh, one day this week, and, and I just kind of heard a ruckus, and I looked out the back deck, and I saw this brown blur come by. And, and then on the tree there, I just saw this orange flash. And I, and, and I realized two dogs were chasing my cat, so I threw open the door, and they were kind of puppies. They were just, they were just having fun. But, the, but Peaches, she, she was probably 18 feet off the ground. She climbed up the tree into the leaves and hid herself from the dog. It took me about 10 minutes to coax her down, and that was an experience in itself because I wasn't climbing up there to get her. I thought, you climb up there, you, you get out. But, but, but here, here's it. She was so scared, she just went and hid. And some of you aren't going to be a disciple maker because you're afraid. And so what you, what you do is you run and hide. And maybe you go get in a little Bible study or maybe you go volunteer over here. But, but you're afraid to get close to people, life on life, and speak into their life. And, 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 and let me just kind of share with you, that's not, that, that can be a good thing if you'll do it anyway. It, you know what's good to be scared about being a disciple maker? When we're scared, we got to trust Jesus. You know, uh, what was it John Wayne said? Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway, right? Listen, some of you are afraid of what it would be like to pour your life into somebody else. You need to saddle up anyway. You, you need to invest anyway. And, and if, you're, if you're afraid, trust God. But you need to pour your life uh, into somebody. And so... Um, let me just close with this. Here's what I, here's what I know is probably going to happen this morning. Most of you, most of you are going to ignore my challenge to become a disciple maker. This will be another sermon that, that you don't use. You go, that's good. I, I know we need to do that. But you'll make some excuse and you'll say, you know, I'm, I'm, you know God's not called me to do that. But, but there are a handful of you. There's a handful of you that what you want is the most out of the life you have left. And if that's you, you're going to be willing. You, you're going to say, hey, I, I want to be a disciple maker. And, and for you, 
when you when you go out the door, there's two round tables when you go right out here. There's a, there's a clipboard with a sign-up sheet that says, I want to be a disciple maker. And for those of you that really want to do, you want to, you want to make your life matter. What, what you, however much you have, if you want to make it matter, there's a place for you to sign up. I want to be a disciple maker. And we're going to come alongside you, and we're going to help equip you, and, and we're going to send you out to do that. Now, there's some of you that said, man, I want to be a disciple maker, but I'm not quite ready yet. I, I, I need a little, I need to be discipled. When you go out to those two round tables, there's a clipboard that says, I want to be discipled. I want somebody to pour into me. You can sign your name right there. And some of you say, well, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet. And, and so, okay, there's a clipboard for you that says, I, I'm, I'm willing to serve. I'm not serving yet, but I'm willing to serve somewhere. And so you can sign up and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to take the first step. And I'm going to serve. And now there's some of you, you're, you're, you're not quite willing to serve. You're not quite willing to be discipled. And you're not ready yet to be a disciple maker. But you know you need to take a step, right? And so there's, a, there's another clipboard. There's four at each table. There's another clipboard for you to sign up to be in a group. Because some of you, listen, some of you, you've been sitting here listening to these sermons month after month and year after year. And you've not got in a group yet. You've not... You've not committed to serve yet, and, and, and so it's time for you to take a step. It's time for you to take. Everybody can take a step. Now, Jesus declared, make disciples. Jesus demanded. He mandated that we make disciples. And Jesus modeled that we make disciples. you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Are you willing to start today?